Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your money went. Hi, folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world and the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, today is Friday, March the 6th, which means we've made it through another week, or at least almost have made it through another week. I think this is episode 156, I'm not even really sure. I've been busy as all get out lately, and I'm um, having trouble remembering things a little bit. Uh, I, in most situations, I have a pretty good memory, but uh, not sure what episode was yesterday, but sure, if you've downloaded the podcast, you know what episode it is, so I don't know that it's really that important anyway. Anyway, folks, um, today's show is going to be about energy independence, and it's because we're going to be talking a little bit about your declaration of independence. And I had promised um, that I was going to uh, publish my declaration of independence today, and I've decided now I'm not not going to publish my Declaration of Independence today. And the reason is I've decided that when I do publish it, on the day that I publish it, I want to read it on the air for you. I want you to be able to hear me say the words and hear the passion behind them so they're just not flat text. And obviously today is not a good day for me to read my Declaration of Independence as I drive down the highway at speeds exceeding 75 miles an hour. Would not be safe, or as George Bush Sr. would say, wouldn't be prudent, not going to do it. Um, So we'll skip that over, and I'm going to tell you that gives you the weekend to be working on your own. I know one person wrote his already. It was about two sentences long, and it said everything it needed to say. But I would like to see a huge number of people posting their own Declaration of Independence on the page that I'm going to give you to do it with. So just be thinking about that and jot some terms and some thoughts down about your statement of independence from the government and the systems and seeing yourself as a sovereign individual with inalienable rights given to you by God. Whatever your view of God is, is not only important to you, but I think most of us are of a belief that there is a higher power that gives human beings certain rights that should not be infringed upon by anybody, least of which the government. So just be thinking about that. So with that spirit in mind, I'm going to talk about energy independence for individuals, not for the country, not independence for foreign oil, but how you can create some simple forms of additional energy production for yourself through things like solar, wind, and other things like that. So that's going to be today's topic. Now, there is some house cleaning I want to do. And again, I've decided this just works better at the beginning of the show. And if you don't like house cleaning, hit the fast forward button. Um, one is I am going to be at the Fort Worth Gun Show tomorrow, tomorrow morning around 11-ish. There's a thread going in the forum now where you can see who all is going to be there. And I'd love to meet some of you guys that are in the North Texas area. The Fort Worth Gun Show, the high-caliber gun show at the Will Rogers Center, is probably one of the best gun shows there is in the United States of America. Other than, like, the real giant one sponsored by the NRA or the SHOT Show or something like that. This is, uh, for a private individual gun show, this is a really good one. Lots of vendors, lots of cool guns to look at, lots of ammo, lots of supplies, and uh, it would be fun just to meet some of y'all anyway. So, if you can get free tomorrow, please come by. Don't be shy. Don't hide. Uh, No one here is trying to track you down or anything. We just want to get together and form more community. 
The next one is, uh, again, Region 5, which is where Texas and Arkansas, Louisiana, and several other states are, uh, are planning a get-together. Come one, come all. You can come from Alaska or Timbuktu. You are welcome. It will probably be somewhere in the area of Gulfway, Texas, and it's probably going to be around Memorial Day weekend. So please check out the Region 5 get-together thread. Vote. Give us your input. Let us know your thoughts on the way things should be done. We've got a poll running there. And uh, if you can help Dan Tanner in any way who's running point on this thing by volunteering to fill a function at the event, please consider doing so. And uh, the last little uh, cleanup is uh, Member Support Brigade. Please don't email me and ask me for the link anymore. I've closed the beta officially. Um, That means what it means. It means it's closed. There is no more beta memberships to the Member Support Brigade. I will reopen it next week. I may not open it next week because the one other little piece of house cleaning i got to give you is you guys might have some detoxing you guys that are addicts to the show uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and or Friday next week because I am going to the Arkansas Homestead Wednesday through Sunday to continue to prep and build things up up there. I'm going to try to do at least one show this weekend which will be where I read my Declaration of Independence and set that for publication on Wednesday so that will break it down to only two days without a show and I'll try to squeeze one more out for you but it's going to be a short week for me at the office so I can't promise anything so there'll probably be a day or two next week with no show they didn't come get me every time I go away and people don't hear the announcement they think somebody from the government black ops came and took me away folks I'm not that big not yet anyway I'm not that important no one's going to come get me I'm going to be just fine but uh, we are going to Arkansas no internet connection up there uh, I'm not going to pay for a satellite connection when we're only up there you know six times a year um, so uh, I am without internet when I am in Arkansas so that's why there won't be a show there's certainly enough time to record a few of them during the five-hour trip if my wife would tolerate it. She probably wouldn't anyway. So that cleans up the house cleaning. So let's just look at some ways of developing your own energy independence. And I want to point out what I'm really talking about today. I'm talking about little baby steps to get started. I mean, obviously, we would all like to have maybe a combo solar-wind system that completely ran everything we needed to run in our homes that produces 100% of the energy that we required, or maybe a grid-tied system that produced 80% or more of the electricity we use daily, where if we lost the grid, we could just cut back our consumption, and we would be able to do the functions and keep the meat frozen in the freezer and you know keep the house cool at night, at least when we're asleep and things like that. Um, but there's a big financial hurdle there. And because of that big financial hurdle, a lot of people tend to do, well, nothing. Maybe you take some steps toward energy conservation to cut your electric bill, like, you know, the all-powerful compact fluorescent bulb, which is ugly as it is, folks. I'm not a fan of them from an appearance standpoint. But, you know what, they do save a lot of money and use a lot less electricity. And maybe additional insulation or radiant barrier in the attic, which, folks, a radiant barrier is so easy to do yourself. It's something you really ought to do. I'm just... Hold on, folks. You're an idiot! You're a jerk! You're not going to let me in? I'm going to get it in front of you. All right? Tough. 
Alright, folks, you know what? I figured you guys needed an auto rent. This lady, in her freaking $50,000 Toyota SUV, just doesn't want me in her lane. Just can't stand that I'm in her lane now. Now she's all mad, yelling and screaming. I'm waving to her. Hi, hi, how you doing? Yeah, you're an idiot. Okay, back to the show. So, a radiant barrier, something you really, really need to look at doing because basically it's stapling a foil liner in your attic. And there's a limit to how much it'll do for you. And here's the weird thing. If you live in a two-story house, it will save you less money than if you live in a one-story house. And you might go, why? It doesn't make any sense at all. But it makes perfect sense. And here's why. What a radiant barrier does best is prevent the heat that comes through your roof from coming through your roof and instead reflects it back out through the roof so that it's not sunk down into the home. Right? So think about two houses. Both houses are 2,000 square feet. Now, you have a two-story house, which means your roof deck is roughly 1,000 square feet of roof deck. So the heat that's coming into your house from a two-story house through the roof is 1,000 square feet versus all the walls and other ways that the heat can get into your home and the heat loss can get out of your or the, the cooling loss can escape from your home. In other words, your four walls surface area relative to the surface area of the roof, the roof is small in comparison to the, the four walls. Right? So you're only reflecting a thousand square feet of the existing solar impact back out. Right? Now, from there we move on to a 2,000 square foot one-story house. Well, how much roof deck do we have? doesn't take a rocket scientist to go. 2,000 square feet of roof deck. Right? Because it's only one story. So now you're reflecting 2,000 square feet of solar radiation relative to the four walls of the structure, which are also smaller walls because they're shorter because they're one story. So that's that's why that happens. So, you know, people will take those steps, but then they'll say, well, as far as, like, a solar system, I can't afford it. I don't have the money right now. I, I can't do that, and if I spend ten grand on a two-kilowatt system, it's not going to save me but maybe, you know, $500 a year, it's going to take me 20 years to pay it back um, in, in savings. And then even with the, you know, so they just look at it financially and go, you know, if I had 10 grand of money just sitting around that was burning a hole in my pocket and I wasn't worried about the future that much, I, I could buy this 10 grand system. In fact, I could do it for 7 grand with the incentives, but I can't. I can't afford it. So then the next thing is, well, since I can't afford it, I can't do anything. So what I want to do is just get you thinking about some really low-cost things, under $100 things that you can do to start creating some level of energy independence. The first one is, is one of the projects I'm definitely going to do this year. I am going to video it make it available to the member support uh, folks. And it is building a solar oven. Now... Even without my video, or without any plans for me, or any explanation for me, it doesn't take a genius to build a solar oven. It's basically a box, painted black inside, with a glass lid, and a shiny reflector that condenses light down into it. 
And you might wonder, well, what can you cook in a solar oven? And the answer is just about anything. I watched a video on YouTube of a guy that built a little homemade solar oven that's in Canada. I don't remember what part. It was like Alberta or something. So it's cold as hell. And he's out in his backyard in the wintertime, and it's like below freezing. There's snow on the ground. And you would think, boy, a solar oven's not going to work really good today. Well, it works by heat and radiation, or solar light and radiation, not by the ambient air temperature. The ambient air temperature has almost nothing to do with what's going on inside that box. It's well insulated and properly designed. He cooked a rack of baby back ribs during the short daylight time that he had to work with, and they looked absolutely slow-cooked phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. So if he can do that there in the wintertime, then definitely during, you know, throughout most of the United States, uh, during the, you know, the sunny times of the year, so to speak, you should be able to do the same thing. So again, a solar oven, it's a box, you paint it black, glass lid. You make a reflector for it that's designed to channel the light data. So what do you make your reflector from? I've seen them made everything from, uh, like, uh, people that have metal shops, really highly polished steel, stainless steel, and form it into uh, a solid steel reflector. And I've seen most people, they just take, you know, a good aluminum uh, foil or a good aluminum flashing or aluminum tape, and they build them out of plywood, and then they put that aluminum surface on the top. And, you know, you don't really worry about the fact that it's just plywood because obviously you're not going to be solar oven cooking in the rain anyway. So you just put it away when it's not in use. Another little thing that I've seen done with solar ovens uh, to make them more effective is instead of a box, you basically build two boxes. You build a larger diameter outside box and a slightly smaller diameter inside box that goes inside of it. And then in the space between the walls, you fill it with something like perlite, which you can get at your garden centers, or cloth material or foam, something that acts as an insulator later, and then you close the top off, and then you put your glass lid on top of that. That creates thicker walls, a greater insulation effect. It gives you more heat retention in your solar oven. Now, what are some of the advantages of a solar oven? Well, number one, you can cook with absolutely no power whatsoever. As long as the sun is shining, and uh, it's not an ice age cold temperature, so down below freezing, but good sunshine, you can cook with your solar oven any time during the daylight hours uh, with no power source whatsoever. Number two, it's actually a great way to cook. It's impossible to burn. Now, you can overcook things in a solar oven, but because the temperature is absolutely uniform, there's no hot spots, you never burn anything in a solar oven. In other words, the stuff on the bottom of the pan cooks at the same speed as the stuff in the middle of the pan, as the stuff on the top of the pan. So if you've ever baked a casserole and burned like the top one side of it or the bottom one side of it, that'll never happen to you with a solar oven. Kind of cool, huh? Uh, number three, because of that, with things that you would cook really slow and long, like pot roast or ribs or anything like that, it's a set it and forget it type of operation. You might go out once every couple hours and adjust the direction it's pointing so you continue to follow the sun to the best effect, but you don't really have to worry about it. You can basically set it up in the morning and set your pot roast there, maybe go throw your vegetables in halfway through the day, and then at dinner time, just open it up, take the food out, and eat it. And, and you don't have to worry about, you know, basting or anything, other, other things like that. And you can cook just about anything. I've seen people bake bread. I've seen people cook rice and beans. I've seen people cook pasta. 
Pasta, the way to do that, though, is you really need to put your water free of the pasta in there for several hours. Get the water temperature really up when it gets, starts to get really uh, steaming well for you. Go ahead and throw your pasta in and finish it up that way. It's a very long way to cook pasta, and I've never found it to be very efficient, uh, but it's, it works okay if you had to. Uh, with pasta, I would probably go ahead and build a campfire and boil some water, uh, what have you. But it can be done if you, if you had to. It is a great way to cook beans. It is an absolutely beautiful way to make something like ham hocks and beans or bacon and beans or something like their sausage and beans where you want to slow cook it and let the juices all come together and what have you. So really consider that as an option because what would it cost you to build it? Well, you, you go out and buy, let's say, some plywood, some good high temperature black paint, a piece of plexiglass, and I found uh, 18 by 24 plexiglass uh, available for three bucks at Lowe's pre-cut. So you could use that and you don't even have to cut the glass. Uh, you build your lid. You could actually build the lid a little bit, um, uh, the, the inside part of the lid that exposes it a little bit uh, smaller than the 18 by 24 make the outside dimensions 18 by 24. Drill holes in the plexiglass and screw it directly to the lid from the inside, uh, whatever you're using for the top side of your uh, solar oven, so that you don't even have to worry about fitting glass into uh, uh, the top. You can just screw it on again from the back side. I don't know if that makes sense, but if you think about it, it should. Uh, I mean, you're talking less than 20 bucks, really. Maybe 30 bucks if you bought brand new plywood. Uh, don't buy treated plywood because the heat obviously is going to release, you know, like marine grade or any of the stuff that's pressure treated. So you want to use normal, everyday, uh, untreated plywood so that you don't get any kind of chemicals into your food. But other than that, I mean, it's really not anything more than building a box with a glass lid and then building a reflecting system. And there's plenty of places to go online and look how other people did it. So if you took that step, you're just one step closer to true independence. Another solar-powered device that I plan on building, I'm going to probably build these things within the next month or two, both of them, is a solar-powered dehydrator. And what do you need a dehydrator to be solar-powered for? Why don't you just stick the food out in the sun? It'll dry out. Well, the thing about dehydrating food is if you, if you want to preserve it right, what you really want to do is you want to decrease the amount of time it takes to be dehydrated. The faster the process, the less opportunity for bacteria, uh, mold, fungus, etc. to get into the food and cause any type of spoilage. That's why so many people choose to use electric dehydrators. But you can easily, easily build a very effective and very fast uh, solar dehydrator with a pretty simple design. And that design is as follows. Uh, the first thing you need to do is build a pretty tall box, basically. But you want to make sure that your screens where your food are going to, to sit on to, to dry are, let's say, at least two feet, maybe maybe even three feet, depending on how you're gonna how long you're going to make the next part of this. You can decide that for yourself. But I'd say about two feet is, is a pretty good starting point. So basically you have two foot of legs, and then you start your box. You make your box any dimensions that you want, based on how much food you want to dehydrate at any time. And in your box, you put layers of screens. And all you got to do is get the, you know, the screens uh, that you can get from like Home Depot and Lowe's in a roll. 
but you can get a pretty good sized roll of that for about eight bucks. And you build frames for your trays, and then you just staple your screening so that air can easily flow up through and dehydrate your food that you place on your screens. You build a little shelving system into your box, and you build that box as high as you need to to get as many trays as you want in there. You make sure your box is well ventilated. An easy way to do that is to use a hole saw and cut a bunch of holes on all sides, and then just cover that with more of your hardware cloth screening, whatever you want to call it. Put some good screen venting in the roof of the box so that the air can get through. So that's your box. That's your dehydrator itself. That's where your food goes. And a, and a door that closes. Now you want to make sure that you can completely close it off. Now you don't want to close it off airtight because that would de- you know, defeat the purpose. When I say close it off, I mean every opening is covered by screen to keep insects and bugs off of your food. Right? That's the purpose of the screening there. Now, the next thing you need to do is build a chute. And you'll build a chute two to three feet long. And by a chute, I mean a a long rectangular box that's open on the long side of each end. All right? And then across the top, so it's a three-sided box, you paint it black inside, and across the top you lay glass or plexiglass or some type of clear material that can handle getting warm. The inside of your box is painted black. The bottom side down toward the ground is completely open. The top side, you need to build a system that will plug it into your main dehydrator box. All right. Now, this is hard to explain on the radio, but if you go look at one, just put solar dehydrator in Google, it'll make perfect sense. So what happens is the sun comes down, hits the glass of the chute with the black paint inside it, and it heats that air up inside of that box very, very quickly. Of course, the hot air rises. Now, you mount the chute on an angle going into the bottom of your dehydrator box. All right. So the sun's hitting that that airspace, so they're heating it because of the black uh, and, and sealed off with glass very quickly. The hot air now runs into the bottom of your solar dehydrator and continues to flow upward and out the sides and top, creating air warm airflow, which is warm, dry air is all you need to dehydrate your food. Now, cool air is sucked in the bottom. Goes passes through the chute that you've built and is warm during the process. So it's a hundred percent passive. Once it's set up, it does its job with absolutely no form of electricity whatsoever. It does it very well, does it very effectively. Devices like this are being used all over the world. Now, being me and having kind of a little bit of an engineer's mind, um, I'm not content to sit with that and let it be what it is. So here was my thought. You go down to Academy, you get yourself one of those little batteries, a little uh, 6-volt or 12-volt batteries, and uh, a little fan that will run off of that battery, and a solar panel to power that battery, and a light switch, and what I mean by light switch is when it gets dark, it turns on, so that at night, even though it's not hot air running through there, once it gets dark, the battery's charged up for the night, and those little batteries should be able to run a little fan all through the evening, and all that fan does is kick on and keep drawing air through, so you still have, even though it's not that perfect solar warmed air, you still have air movement through your system. That should further improve drying time. 
So that was just uh, one little addition I had there. I'm not sure. That's theoretical. So we'll see how that works out, exactly where you would locate that fan. Maybe two fans. Maybe two fans in the floor might be the way to go. Maybe, uh, you know, a automatic switch that senses the lights out and turns on is too complicated. Maybe you just put a simple toggle switch, and when it gets dark out, you walk outside and flip it. Um, that might be a much easier way to go. We'll see how that works. But... Even if you don't add my little fan and solar panel deal, and you just build this thing, it's going to work just fine. I'm just trying to tweak things and make them better and be creative. right? So you can build this completely passive food dehydrator, or you can build this completely passive uh, food cooker. And both of those projects can be completed for, I don't know, what, about 20 bucks, 25 bucks each. So for $50, I want you to really think about what you can build. Energy independent systems that will preserve and cook food. Really think about how small of an investment we're talking about in time and money to build something like that. As I said before on an earlier podcast this week, when you're building these projects, you're doing these construction projects, they're more than the sum of their parts. By the time you build those two little systems, you will have improved your ability to think, engineer, construct, build, etc. And that's a lot of times what these projects are really about, is learning how to do things better for yourself. And uh, Hold on, folks. So I needed to get across about five lanes of traffic and figured if I was going to auto-ramp, one was enough for the day. But uh, no need to, just had to be uh, strategic there. But yeah, for 50 bucks and some time, you're creating a method of food preservation and food cooking. So what are some other things that you can do for yourself from a small scale to at least get started towards some energy independence? Well, with a couple uh, 12-volt batteries hooked up in series or uh, parallel, so you stay with 12 volt, and um, a couple little solar panels, these little 60 watt ones uh, from Academy, mounted somewhere on the outside of your home, on the sunny side of your home. You can at least keep, at all times, a couple 12-volt batteries fully charged up. And you can easily run a little bit of backup lighting into the home. And you don't need really high-end solar panels to do this because it's not like something you're going to rely on every day. Now, if you wanted to, you could run one of your little uh, lights into maybe your office. And if you work in your office for an hour or two every night, you could draw that power and use the power from there. That's, you know... If you really look at it, that's not going to make a huge difference in your electric bill. But what you would be doing, this is the important thing to understand there, what you would be doing is you'd be testing the system every day and making sure that it works so that if you ever had to rely upon it, you know that it's functioning properly. And, you know, you add something like a little simple uh, $30 uh, DC-AC inverter to something like that, and you can get in some issues with sine wave and stuff, and I'm not going to go into that because I don't know that much about um, electricity to go that deep into it. But what I do know will work very well off a 12-volt battery with uh, uh, AC-DC inverter is, uh, hold on, folks, again, I've got idiocy to deal with, and this time it's the city picking things up on the side of the highway in the middle of rush hour. Anyway, um, is uh, the DC adapter for a laptop computer. So the nice thing is if you set up at least that system with some solar panels and a few uh, junk batteries, so to speak, or even some new batteries, which probably is smarter to make that investment, get some good deep cycle batteries, you'll always be able to at least have some lighting 
in your home and to keep you know the laptop computer fired up and running and uh, that may not be useful for internet if the power is off or what have you but at least you have access to data and for entertainment purposes you know what at least you can use it to maybe play DVDs for the family during you know not an emergency but just the power is off for the night so it's a it's a great little step it's that one step and the thing about taking these little one steps is it's empowering you go out and set up two 60 watt um, panels running to a bank of eight batteries and you're running half the lighting in your home off of solar energy and all of a sudden your mind starts to go what else is possible what else can I really do another little system that I've seen uh, the Dervais family use is I've seen, and I've seen a lot of other people start to do this they set up little showers outside so they set up like a little room outside and on top of the roof of that room they just put a black or a couple lengths of black garden hose and uh, they run a little uh, shower head in the center thing there and they'll take a shower outside and they'll let the water go out and irrigate you know one of their plants or something like that and obviously you don't want to do this in the winter time and uh, maybe you don't want to go out and take you know the full scale shower outside but it's a groovy little thing to do groovy did I say that geez how old am I anyway it's a cool little thing to do um, for like maybe a shower before people or after people get out of their pool Right? A lot of people like to rinse off when you get out of a pool, if you have a pool. Uh, or maybe you would prefer that your guests that are, you know, been playing football or something, like my kids come over as friends and they're, they've been playing football. You know, it's like you're going to get in the pools like that, um, you know, all dirty and whatnot. So it's useful for that as well. And then if you ever had an emergency situation where you can't um, use the hot water in the house, at least you have a way to rinse off and feel cleaner and better. And, and that's, again, Again, all I'm talking about are these little, tiny, inexpensive baby steps that you can take toward energy independence. If you want to get a little bit more um, aggressive with something, a little bit more engineering, I've talked about just running a black garden hose uh, with a bypass valve in your water heater and preheating your water in the way to uh, the water heater. Now, that's a limited effect. With a couple hundred feet of garden hose, you can heat maybe four gallons of water. And believe it or not, that actually has a fairly significant impact uh, on your overall water heating costs. But it doesn't take a lot of work to build a, a more efficient and higher quantity uh, water heater preheater. Basically, all you need to do is, again, you build a box, just a larger box uh, than for your solar oven. And inside that, you use a series of large PVC pipe. Uh, fit, you know, fitted together with fittings, and you have an input and an output from the box, and you coat that with glass, and everything inside gets painted black, and you put it up on your roof. You probably, in fact, I'd say you definitely want to get a plumber to do your actual connections in and out of your hot water heater, and you want to put something in there called a bypass valve, and this is something I've left out when I've talked about doing something like this in the past. That basically lets you say, well, it's going to freeze tonight, or it's going to be cold tonight, or it's just cold now and I'm not getting any solar gain at all and turn a valve and not have the water go through there. And on the other side you need a bleeder valve so that at times when it is going to freeze you can drain that system so it's not full of water and it doesn't shatter. But that's a very low cost. Uh, With PVC pipe, uh, good exterior grade wood, high quality glazed glass, you can still build that for a couple hundred dollars. And that will heat as much hot water as you need during the sunny part of the year and the warm part of the year. 
And you'll get a lot of solar gain even when it's cold outside with that type of a system as long as you have a good south-facing roof that's going to get hit with the sun quite a bit. It's going to warm that water up very, very significantly. It doesn't take away the need for your hot water heater, but what it actually does do for you is it creates uh, a lot of preheating to the water before it goes into your hot water heater. Therefore, your hot water heater doesn't have to work as hard. And it will give you some, if you lose power and you have an electric hot water heater, some warmth to your water to take a shower with while the power is off, which can be uh, quite nice uh, versus taking an ice cold shower. I took uh, plenty of cold showers in the Army while I was in the field, and I never have to take another one. I never have to take another one to appreciate a warm shower for the rest of my life. I'll just leave it at that. Now, another thing I'll, I'll point out, though, I really do think that even though you know we're talking about small stuff today, that it really may be the time for a lot of people to really start looking at what would it cost to put in a professionally installed um, grid-tied system, either solar or wind or both, onto your home. But here's my advice with that. Get more than one person to give you a quote, obviously. That's with any kind of contract work you ever have planned on your done and done in your home. Never get one price. Always get multiple prices and get multiple quotes and get multiple opinions about what you're doing, how you should do it, and what the best solution for you is. But look at the least expensive system that you can install with the greatest potential for expansion and get the salesperson or consultant to explain to you, well, how would I expand? How easy would it be to expand? Can I just add batteries and solar panels? And what you may find is that you'll get into a situation where if you get the grid tie, the complex electrical portion done, then you could slowly expand it every year with no or very little help from any kind of professional installer. Because adding another solar panel to an array on your roof and hooking it up into the system that's already there is very, very simple actually to do. If you're a reasonably handy person that can, you know, bolt things to the roof and uh, run a few wires. Uh, Expanding a battery bank if you're not familiar with electricity, it's probably better left to an electrician. But basically all you're doing is going out and getting some more batteries and paying a guy to come in and run a few wires. So you may be looking at maybe an hour of his time. So, or, you know, let's say you do solar and then adding a wind turbine, it is really a very simple process from there. So maybe you go get a small-scale wind turbine, do everything yourself, run the wire all the way to the uh, to the junction point, and then hire an electrician to come out and make the final connection for you. So that's something I really think you should look at and I think one of the things we have to be conscious of is our government does a lot of stupid crap, but every once in a while they do something that can actually be beneficial to us. It may still be a stupid idea to, 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 uh, to go out and subsidize industry. Because when you subsidize industry, you make it dependent on the, subsid- the subsidy. But since it's there, you may want to take advantage of the subsidy because it's your tax money anyway. And to me, all you're doing with this tax subsidy is you're getting your own damn money back. And the way this works is, let's say you went out and put in a $5,000, you know, a very small scale solar system. Well, your actual cost on that's $3,500 because you get 30% back from the federal government. There may be additional money that you can get back from your state government. So look to that as well. So I think we're getting into a point where people are going to start doing just that. 
small-scale solar and wind grid-tied system, get the professionals to come out, tie the grid piece together the right way, because nobody wants to screw around with that and mess it up, but then begin to expand that system, because now you have a blueprint in front of you, and be a pain in the ass to your installer. I, I hate to put it that way, but when somebody's doing work for you, and you're constantly watching it, and asking them why and how, sometimes they get annoyed. But I think in this situation, since it's going to be something you're going to depend on for so long, it's good to know how it works, why it works, uh, what to do, what not to do with it. So kind of be over the shoulder of your installers while this is going on and learn as much as you can from the process so that you can then take over and expanding it yourself. So that wraps today's show pretty much up. I know it's a shorter one than I usually do by about 10 minutes, but uh, I'm almost to the office uh, despite the idiots. Uh, traffic really wasn't bad. Uh, I guess Friday traffic's people aren't going to work, or maybe a bunch of people got laid off. Who knows? Uh, so I've moved on a little bit quicker than normal. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up. But I want you to think about the things that we talked today and what other things can you do to build a tiny amount of independence and realize that these two simple projects, a solar dehydrator, a solar cooker, 50 to 75 bucks, call it $100, total construction cost plus your time and effort to do it, 100% complete energy independence over a system that preserves and cooks food for you. That's pretty cool. It'll take you another step closer to living that better life. This has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. It doesn't matter because it all gets spent.